Hello and welcome. In this episode, you will not want to miss my interview with Kalena Jaswari and how she is balancing being not only a kingmaker for businesses, but also being a mom to two young boys and the wife of a fellow entrepreneur, which I know from personal experience, having two entrepreneur households are not easy. How her cultural story influenced her truth, her personal truth and her secret power of what she calls WTA. So you're not going to want to miss that. How her experiences shaped her brilliance and especially being comfortable in her own light, realizing that success in that is not always about, you know, an easy thing. And it's not always about not being confident. Sometimes you really know your light, but it's not always easy to shine. And finally, the different recent path that she and her family took to get back focused and on track and into their own health and wealth. So join me right now for another episode of Owning Her Health. Welcome to this episode of Owning Her Health with your host, Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. Join Lisa as she starts the conversation on what it really takes to become a healthy, wealthy, and whole CEO of your life. Listen in to Real Talk by Real Lady Leaders in all walks of life as they open up on personal health stories, wealth, career, and feminine abundant living. Learn how to grow by owning your body, expanding your mind, and aligning your soul with the purpose only you can pursue in this world. Happiness begins with owning her health right now. Hey guys, welcome so much. Dr. Lisa Holland here, integrative physical therapist and Welcome to Owning Her Health. So excited that you're here. Those of you that are just listening in the car or on the go, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Those of you who might see this audio, uh, this video, um, Kalina, my beautiful guest today, a former client of mine who's doing some great things with her own health, is on audio call today. So you'll see my beautiful face if you're looking at the video. Um, so welcome, welcome so much. Um, Kalina is is now coming to us from Austin, Texas. She, she I met her in Charlotte, North Carolina when she worked with um, me for a little while. So. Jezwari is the last name. Kalina Jezwari, uh, welcome, welcome so much. Thanks so much for being here. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Let us know who you are, um, how you're, you know, what you're doing now, where you're coming from in your life as a wonderful guru goddess. <laughs> well, it's so great to be here. And it's so great to talk with you again, Lisa, as always. Um, so much of my journey is peppered with experiences I had with you. So it's, it's just nice to, to have you here again with me, talking with me. And hello to everyone else. And oh gosh, who I am. That's a, that's a long story. So I'm just going to distill it down. Um, distill it down and, and catch up with you, Lisa, at the same time. So, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I, by my early 20s, I was very successful traveling, making more money than anyone I knew, and, and after a couple of years became known as the best at, at what I do. Um, and that's not really important as so much as it's a technology role and I get to work with lots of large companies. And I became known as someone who can tell a story and lead any situation to a desired outcome and, and a positive one for all parties involved. So, um, you know, gosh, who am I? What am I today? Well, I'm, I'm a builder. Um, I'm a kingmaker. For businesses, and, and I like to think that I'm a storyteller. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I love that your like vitality and vibrancy comes through. Like you, you, you sound like you've like found your voice and you're confident with it because I think a lot of women have um, trouble, you know, doing that showing and shining and doing it in a way where not just like the prettiness, but also, you know, understanding the whole story and, and being confident enough sometimes to show maybe some vulnerability. Um, you know, so like, is your story now, is, has that been the way you always are or always were? Or do you think like, is this a different story than let's say a decade ago? Sure. You know, it's funny. I, I think that people don't really change. I think they grow into more of who they are. Mm. And as you get older, you realize that you can verbalize and explain things that um, were always part of you. And for me, I think I was, I was always like that. I just wasn't as, as um, accepting of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm someone, I, I've, I've got a very, very big family. I've got a family that comes from immigrant roots that worked really hard to be here and uh, lived under this mantle of it always, it always could be taken away from you at, at, at any second because of the part of the world that they came from. So for us, being their children, it was really important that we consistently worked hard, we consistently showed value. So in shining very early on in my career and taking the reins, um, it was less to do with confidence and more to do with this, what, I, what I call the WTA. And this is what my mom will say is, you know, what's the alternative? Mm. What, what's the alternative for you? This is what you have to do. Um, so then to your point, a decade ago, it was more, I have to do it. Luckily today, it's more, this is, this is me. This is what I do. So it's, it's a much more comfortable feeling than it was a decade ago. But it's still the same person. It's still the same activity. I just think I love it now, whereas before I didn't really understand it. Yeah, I think, and that, and that, I think talks a little bit to that inner guide through our life. Some, you know, when we're young, we're a bit naive to our power. And then maybe we get, go through a period of being really impressionable. And then all of a sudden something happens. Maybe it's through our mothering of birthing a business or birthing our children or birthing a home or a career. So at some point as we're moving into uh, a more experienced woman, you just start hearing those same things in a much different way and the conversation just, just opens up. So I love that you're sharing that, how you know, you know, we're kind of always the same person, but how much we're coming into ourselves, which I really think is not celebrated enough as we, I think it's mm -hmm. part of the beauty of getting older, which looks like it's this bad thing, but I think it allows you to really own, you know, that's why one of the things I said, owning her health at the name of this, it's being able to really own yourself, own your voice, own your health, own all the components of that holistically, such as what you're doing in the world, what you're doing, you know, in your private life. Is there anything though you would maybe now being the, you know, the older, wiser woman now, looking back that you wish your younger goddess had known earlier, like one key thing? Yeah, I think, and this actually goes back to something that you had said to me once um, many, many years ago, but I think the one thing, and there probably is only one thing that I would like to tell myself 10 years ago or tell anybody 
any mm -hmm. chance I got, even today walking down the street, is the universe sends you signals. And it throws you a lot of open doors. And if you ignore those, it will just clobber you to make a point. <laughs> Sometimes in life, the universe is telling you, leave a job, leave a relationship, find something else. This is not healthy. This is not right for you. And you know it. You know it intuitively. And luckily, and this is not a negative thing, luckily, when you don't listen, the universe finds a way to make you listen. And usually it means pulling it away from you. And that can feel, it can feel like such a failure. It can feel like, oh my God, I just lost this job. Or, you know, I was the golden girl of the job and and now all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the witch hunted. Or, you know, I was in this great relationship and, um, you know, supposedly, and now it's, it's all falling apart or, you know, what have you. But really, it, you, you always know you, you knew it beforehand. And, and the universe tried to, to send you that signal. The other thing is the universe wants to take care of you. You, you just don't let it get, don't get in its way. So those are the things that I, I mean, again, it's not just 10 years ago. I mean, I tell myself that every day. Do not let, do not get in the way of your universe. It wants to be there for you. Yeah. And if it's sending you, if it's sending you a signal and you're not going to listen, it's going to find a way to make you listen. And that might mean, you know, making you have to leave that job or that might mean giving you so much emotional strain um, or resentment that your body tenses up and suddenly you can't walk out the door. Those things are real. Yes, and and, and, this go, and this goes back to something that you said to me so long ago of, um, you know, you were, you were trying to teach me, you were trying to be an educator, and I was trying to take notes and, and make diagrams. You said, Kalina, you don't have to memorize everything or even remember everything. At the point when you need it, it will show up. And um, I think that, that that moment was, you know, when, when the universe clobbered me because I didn't listen, that was one of those first moments for me where I was like, you know what? I remember Lisa saying that when Aww. I needed to understand something, <laughs> it, it will come at the right moment. And it came, at the, it came at the exact right moment. And I hadn't recalled it in the five years in between. But in that moment, it became all too clear. Wow. That's awesome. Like, that's so much of like the reason of why I do what I do is hopefully there's that, that connection with it's not really me giving anyone anything that's not there. It's like shining that, that mirror so they can see that in themselves. Cause it is powerful. So that's so awesome that, that you're using that. And, um, I know that, you know, obviously we met through physical you had mentioned how, you know, the universe will, will, it's always there for you. I hear you talking about that concept of abundance, you know, this mentality of maybe it's not about all these things happening to you and negative and loss. Maybe how is that functioning for exactly the prayers that you're having? And we're talking kind of, you know, maybe on that spiritual realm or that Dharma and that purpose and also where we're putting our energy because sometimes we're just putting our energy into the exact opposite direction of what would actually help us because we're so logical and we're so physical and we can get lost in that mind and body. We need to kind of go within. So how do you think like your, your health story kind of maybe hitting some resistance, like when we were working with each other and even being younger, mm -hmm. I remember you were saying, you know, being 
fairly um, working with, um, you know, your body and having a mindset on that and being determined with some of the things you did with that. Any tips in terms of like just sure. working with the resistance, maybe through even physical? Because I think a lot of people get stuck in that. We're so physical. I mean, that's how we're here in this world. That's how we see in the mirror. We see the physical. And, and the material things in terms of what's success and what's happiness, mm -hmm. we get stuck. Mm -hmm. We get stuck like when we have mm -hmm. physical pain sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I will, I will uh, I'll beg your patience for a moment to disagree with you. I actually think it's not logical. I don't think it's logic that pushes us forward. I think it's momentum. Mm. It's, it's amazing how many physical laws really reign true. I mean, a body in motion stays in motion, a body mm -hmm. at rest stays at rest and a lot of us are, are you know because of our background or because of our situation or our responsibilities we are afraid not to rest we're afraid to be at rest um, so momentum isn't exactly a bad thing but unfortunately momentum can be one of those things where you begin to make the next choice because it's just time or it's just there versus actually being logical about it um, and absolutely I feel like there there is a way that you can be more present and, and more logical. Because the logical thing is to always go back to initially what you want to achieve and not just take the next step, right? So, you know, I have a lot of friends that right now are they're in the stage of buying a home and they, they know exactly what home they want, they know exactly what neighborhood they want to be in. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, the home that they bought is, is not at all what, they, what they've wanted. And they, they get on this momentum path and it's no longer about buying the home that they wanted or having the home that they wanted. It's just about getting a house, which wasn't the point to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And then you end up with something that you've invested so much time in that doesn't feel like home. And, and that's an analogy so much with, with our health because we're humans dealing with humans. And I think the one, one of the most important things you have to remember when you're speaking with any clinician, um, whether they're a doctor or, you know, they're a therapist or, or they're, you know, they, they do a holistic type of medicine or, or, or more of a Western style medicine. It's, these are people, and we are people talking to people. So you have to remember the way people communicate. Um, and I, if I could give a, a, a little bit of advice, and free advice is always worth the price that you pay for it, but here it is, and here's what works for me. Um, when you sit down with anybody, tell a story. Stories are how we learn. Stories are how we remember facts. Everyone knows that. That's why there are fables, and that's why people, you know, tell family stories. So I, I like to, whenever I sit down with someone where I, I want to have them help me or I want to use their expertise to help me, instead of talking about what's hurting me or what's paining me or what my symptoms are, I like to say, I like to start with, I am someone who. Mm. I am someone who... And then fill in the blank, Lisa. I am someone who needs to be able to work a 15-hour shift on my feet. I am someone who loves to rock climb. I am someone who has five children and, you know, wants to be able to pick them up every day and bake for them and take them to school. I am someone who um, has an entire family that I support. I am someone who, you know, wants to be a size two and fit into, you know, my new Badgley Mishka. It doesn't matter what it is. But start with I am someone who. So they understand in that moment who you think that you are. And they understand that you know who you are. And that is so important. 
That is really great. Yeah, I love that. You know, starting off the conversation, like how much more awesome would maybe healthcare be if that was what you said, instead of saying the first, you know, I'm very conscious on my intakes to not have the first thing be like, so where's your pain? It's, mm-hmm. it's that conversation. If we could just start so like, so Kalina, you know, you are someone who, just the fact of saying I am someone, I mean, that's a big step. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. just so-and-so's mom, so-and-so, you know, these letters after my name, this role I play. I am someone. I think that's so powerful. So thank you so much for, for sharing that wisdom um, because we do learn that. And, and in that way, is there like a hard, one hard lesson, one that sticks out with befriending that, you know, because I, I hear you saying in a very strong way, you're, you sound very, you're obviously a very strong person, strong woman, but there's a little bit of vulnerability there that you're willing to go to. And is that, mm-hmm. is that from a little hard lesson, learning that there's power still in that? Because I definitely find, you know, I'm 44, women around my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, that's been a really hard concept for them to, quote unquote, be successful people do fail. That's how they try. Or that there's mm-hmm. some vulnerability. Or even in the divine feminine, you know, bringing in those feminine attributes of grace and flow. And, you know, sometimes you cry because that's actually really logical to just let it out and move on. Mm-hmm. Instead of holding it in and getting yeah. closer and being so tough and then wondering why everybody sure. gives you a bunch of crap all the time because you take it, <laughs> you know? Well, I think, and, and I think this does go back again to, telling story about who you are. I think, you know, again, stories are how we learn. It's how we absorb facts. But when you tell a story, it has a natural way of slowing other people down. And when people slow down and you feel like they're listening, you immediately feel more comfortable being vulnerable, right? Because you feel like they're listening. You feel like they're connecting. So, the, you know, the, the one, I guess the one, one of the lessons that, you know, that I, I thought were that is very important for me in terms of vulnerability is it's, it's easier to be vulnerable when people are listening, but sometimes you have to find a way to get someone to listen and that's okay. That's okay. Um, and then the other lesson, you know, for me per- personally, you know, being raised from, you know, with a family that um, has the expectation that, you know, we all be excellent, that we all be extraordinary. And I'm thankful for that. Um, but the, the one lesson that I had to learn was that I didn't have to be perfect. And it wasn't that I didn't have to be perfect because the world doesn't want me to be perfect. Um, what I meant by that is not everyone will bolt if you're not perfect. Um, and sometimes you just have to ask for help. Otherwise, people can't help you. And asking for help is part of, number one, not being perfect. Not realizing you're not perfect, but just not being perfect. And number two, realizing that people won't bolt. So, you know, in, in talking with, clinicians, talking with your family, hell, telling yourself your own story, right? Um, find a way to help someone understand you and find a way to help them listen. And, and that might mean, let's say you are talking with a, with a friend or you're talking with a, a spouse or a doctor, um, you know, to say to them, look, I, I know this is a, a lot of information or what can I do to help it? You know, with a doctor, what's the best way to get in touch with you when you have more time? Can I, can I give you something in writing with a spouse? It's, hey, can we just, you know, plan some time later? Or a friend, look, I, I just, I, I really need some help right now. You know, when can I get an hour of your time? It's okay to yeah. 
almost project manage the help that you need. And, you know, you know, ultimately they, they might not, you know, in terms of a clinician, we talked about that, they might not be able to help you. Um, they might not, they might be biased, who knows? Um, but then in that case, and in those situations, yeah, you ask for a referral, you ask, you know, where should I go? Again, help them help you. So I, I believe that very strongly in helping people help you, slowing them down, and um, it will make you, it'll make you able to be more honest with them. That's great. And, you know, that's great advice. I hear you saying, like, you know, take personal authority. I think it's hard sometimes for people to, well, first of all, looking, you know, when clients come into me, I try to say, here's the deal. I've got these things on my wall, but you know yourself better than I ever will. Let's come mm -hmm. to, you know, I'm, I'm no better quote unquote, better than you, you know? Um, so, you know, meeting, meeting them halfway and, you know, taking out those credentials, EGO out of the situation. Also on the inverted for the, for the, the, the woman to come in to the conversation, you know, literally owning her health and saying, you know, I, I see you're busy. Is there another time? Like you suggested opening up that, not just saying, oh, I assume mm -hmm. there is no other way to do this. But creating, yeah. see if you can create, if enough people did that, then maybe once in a while the clinician would say, so many people are asking for more of my time and it stops making what's normal for them now in the quote unquote broken system normal. They start to really, you know, because in the world of it, you, you think, well, this is how everything has to get done. This is the only way it's going to be. I need a job. But ultimately, I think people went into healthcare to help and care. Yeah. And so you, mm -hmm. it, it almost takes, you know, that's a really good um, bit of wisdom there that, sh that you're giving us to, to do that. I think people are scared. Okay, so this they are, they are. And like you. you should know that. And maybe well, the other, the other thing is, the other thing is too, you have to understand that they might think this is what you want from them. Mm -hmm. Again, people are people. If you allow yourself to be vulnerable, they'll be vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, they might think that you want them. Look, like you said, you know, somebody comes in and maybe I was referred to them and they said, you know, Colleen is a business person and she she works 100 hours a week and she's very aggressive. And, you know, just on those three points alone, maybe they felt like, OK, I better just be, you know, at a quick quip with this lady. Otherwise, mm -hmm. she's going to roll mm -hmm. all over me. You just never know. They actually might be disappointing you because they think that's what you want. Good so point. you have to. You have to open yourself, you know, up a little bit so people can see who you are before you should have, honestly, any expectation that they know how to treat you well. That's a great and point. That's a great point because people will treat you the way that you allow them to. Ultimately. Mm -hmm. And that comes from inside. So that that's really great. So is there is there is there a chunk that, you know, the woman now might even just say, you know, is there a little something that you, now being a mother, you kind of feel like you find yourself saying to your children and almost like to your own inner child now? Is there a little tip or special something that you would say is a takeaway maybe to tell our daughters and our sons or, you know, the next generation? You know, I have a quote on the wall of my son's room. I have, I have two sons, one is three and, and one's uh, one and a half. And I have a quote on his wall that uh, is by um, Albert Camus, who was a, a philosopher, and a, a writer in the early part of the 20th century. 
And uh, it says the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. Mm. And there's a very specific reason I have that um, on his wall. And I, I think it applies so much to so many things. Um, you know, when I was in school, I, I, I took a lot of like American government. We all did. And I remember, um, you know, learning everything about the Constitution and this, that, and the other. And then I took a trip to Washington, D.C., and I had actually never read the Declaration of Independence. And I, and I went with uh, you know, my, my son, and we read the Declaration of Independence together. And for the first time, it struck me, this idea of, you know, life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I, I was floored by the idea that it never struck me before that, you know, what governments talk about happiness, <laughs> right? Yeah. The pursuit of it. And, you know, it's, it's, we talk about happiness today as this kind of, you know, crunchy, erudatic, you know, skinny jeans, hipster speak, as if it's like, mm -hmm. as, if, as, as if as Americans, it, it's, a, it's not part of our, it's not part of like our, our work ethic to be happy, which in fact, it's, that's, that's not new speak to be happy. And the pursuit of being happy is not new. It's actually ingrained in our American identity right? Mm -hmm. And it's ingrained in this right that is undeniable. And, it, and it's, it, what's so interesting about it is it's linked exactly to life and freedom, to liberty and life, mm -hmm. right? It, it was literally the line in the sand 160 years ago. So right. 160 years ago, people were talking about this in our country. Right. And it was their rebellion, Lisa. That was their rebellion. They, that's how they were rebellious. And it wasn't pursuing the happiness, like, you know, the dream, you know, of happiness, but it was like literally the everyday, you know, who, who makes you an individual? And for them, their sheer existence was an act of rebellion. And, you know, thinking of today where there's so much anger and there's so much hate and we see terrorism and oppression everywhere we, we go to the point where it's the new normal, to the point where I had to teach my son about these things so that he knows how to hide in a bathroom and <laughs> he knows how to take care of himself for so many people out there that that are in those kinds of places that 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 don't believe in this their sheer existence is an act of rebellion mm. and that that pursuit of happiness which means that that means the right to not feel scared the right to not feel oppressed the right to be an individual the right to not feel like you can come into my home and end everything I've worked for and everything I love. That's mm -hmm. an undeniable right. Beautiful. And believing that, believing that is a sheer act of rebellion. So I feel like my existence here, your existence, um, us being women, my own husband who didn't go to college and did exactly what he wanted to do, my son who's three years old and goes to school every day and comes home to me and, and, and he's not in a body bag, mm -hmm. is that the your active rebellion every mm -hmm. single day for me. That's and beautiful. That is, that's, I think, what drives me right now in my life and the life of everyone I care about. That fire. I hear it. I hear it. I hear that goddess fire. That's awesome. And you, you know, so I'm, I, 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 it's a little I, dark. I admit well, it. Well, you know, dark. the thing is that light comes out of darkness, but it's like reality. Like everything's not always so great, but you could still be happy. And it's looking into those other facets. It's seeing gratitude in, um, okay, so you have to do things a different way than maybe when we were growing up, but how can I, you know, 
how can I still, you know, not get so caught up in all that darkness, but you need to see it. I mean, you can't be in la la land. I think a lot of people get lost. And, you know, something interesting that we uh, spoke about a little bit before we started recording was, you know, in terms of that holistic health, because it is about, you're talking about society impacting your own individual family and, and that being impacted by your own individuality and your own ownership of your own health, that personal authority, all of this, you know, and it can get crazy. And you had mentioned that, you know, you, you guys took a really proactive step and took a little mm-hmm. hiatus. Tell us really quick a little bit about that. Well, so we moved to Austin, Texas, and that had been a dream of mine for, for several years. Um, and we came, my husband and I, we came here, we, we got married here, I had a baby here, and we are people that were looking for a community. Um, we were people that, you know, were, were kind of gypsies, right? Um, and we really wanted to put down roots somewhere, and that's something that we neither of us had ever really had, and we felt like Austin was the place to do it. And, and we came here with our hearts open. We came here with our pocketbooks open, mm-hmm. um, you know, really wanting to invest um, our time and, and build something, whether it was, you know, a business or a house or just feeling like we're, we're part of that. Um, and it just, it just didn't happen. I mean, Austin just kicked our ass. It really mm-hmm. did. It just, it, it became just so much work and it wasn't as open as we thought it would be, it wasn't easy to make friends. It wasn't easy to become part of a community. We kind of were like in that place where we're like, we, we, we had just gotten married. We had just had a baby. Um, you know, I wasn't a soccer mom, obviously. My husband, you know, runs his own business, so he doesn't work for this, you know, gigantic, mm-hmm. you know, machine-type company mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you're kind of built. Or, you know, we, neither of us go to church, so we don't have, you know, that <laughs> congregation waiting there yeah. for us. Um, right. Um, so we just didn't realize how hard it was going to be finding that community here, um, realizing that people really weren't open, their, you know, their hearts weren't open to it. And then, you know, the Austin also became very popular right when we moved here. And that, that was not why we moved here. It was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had always loved Austin, but we moved here at a time when it had gotten really popular and, and, and very famous around the world. And it was hard to find a house. And then you know, everything quadrupled and there were lines everywhere and traffic was bad. And, you know, it was just not the small, the small ish, um, like place that we, we, we had remembered. And it just, it just kicked, it just kicked our ass. And we felt run down. We felt like we were always chasing something that we couldn't find. We felt like we were always waiting in line. We felt like, you know, the restaurants that we had gone to before where we had just walked in and they knew our name. Now there was a two hour wait. It was just exhausting. It was just exhausting, and we felt like we didn't know what to do. We didn't. We we couldn't go to the park anymore um, with our son. We couldn't walk down the street because we'd get hit by a car, or because there was just no place to park, or you know, there was always a, a new festival going on because Austin was very interested in you know taking advantage of its new fame. So you know, there were four months of the year where our main city park was literally shut down, and it just wasn't. The environment. Yeah, that, that the, we the dream, wanted. the vision kind of yeah, changed. Yeah, and uh, it did. And we had invested so much in it, so much of our time, so much of ourselves, so much of our money that it just, we, we I just, I broke. I mean, it's so really the only way yeah. to describe it. Well, and then after, having, then after having a baby, you know, I'll tell you this, and I tell my friends this before they have babies, and my sister now was trying to have a baby. Look, 
everything that you ignore about yourself that you need to deal with, man, when you have a baby, it's big, giant, shiny light, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't ignore it anymore. So all those feelings I had of loneliness, all those feelings I had of not having a community, all those feelings I had of not being able to put down roots or the security that I felt I needed and why I came to Austin. Once I had that child, all those things just, I mean, they were just a million times worse. Mm -hmm. And um, I fell into, you know, a a very deep depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily for me, it didn't affect me taking care of my child. Mm -hmm. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't um, isolate me from him, but it isolated me from everyone else and it isolated my husband away from me because he was dealing with his own you know issues and then we found ourselves in a position where we just didn't want to be here anymore mm. um and I was I was very sick and I was in a lot of pain and I could barely get out of bed I could barely pick up my child mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so we just decided to leave we literally just decided to pick up and leave and we moved to um, a little place in South Carolina called Kusa Island, which is uh, right off of Beaufort, South Carolina. Mm. It's a little mile island. I'm going to have to check that um, out one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's absolutely, it was, and it, it, interestingly enough, I had literally picked it out of a magazine mm. and did the research. And John and I had never been there. We had never been there. You went with an intuitive? Um, we, we went with this just intuitive feel. And I remember mm-hmm. driving over the bridge and seeing all this water around us and going, oh, my God, like at first being like, what did I do? But then when we pulled up to the house and it was amazing and there were these gigantic oak trees and we were on this marsh and it was it was it was low tide. And I literally looked out at the sagebrush and there were baby dolphins <laughs> playing Aww. in the sagebrush. And I thought to myself, OK, you know, thank thank you, whomever, for having this payoff for us. But it wasn't really about that and the dolphins. It, it was about we needed to get away. And um, I knew that if we didn't, then I, I honestly felt like I didn't know how I would come back from it. I did yeah. not know how I would I would rise out of this mire that I'd been in. And we moved to a farm. It was a rescue farm um, that had peacocks and, and Clydesdales and um, you know, ponies and, and, and donkeys. And it was amazing. It was and really, you, yeah. Incredible. And you um, guys could, we lived there yeah. for six months. Yeah. We were completely isolated you know, we had no trash service and, um, we were, uh, you know, it was, it was lovely. It really was. Now it's, it's certainly not the kind of place that we could have, um, stayed because it's the kind of place where you can't really build much of a life, you know, especially when you have mm-hmm. children, you have to think about all those things, like mm-hmm. where they're going to go to school oh, and, yeah. and all those things. But, but it's it, a was, break. it was a big risk. It was, it was a break a and a risk. risk. Right. And it's being it was a huge risk. But you heard your intuition. And sometimes that's what we have to do. And sometimes I think, um, you know, we do have, we get to that dark, dark point, but ultimately it turns us around and then we can come back. Um, you know, my first business venture out was kind of like that invested a lot and it kind of hit rock bottom. And I had already had it about a depression in my 20s after I had like 10 letters after my name in like five years. And we're like, uh, aren't I supposed to be happy? And, right. and um, you know, and, but each time, you know, walking away and then deciding to come back and do it a totally different way. The way I do it now, mm-hmm. I thought originally I could not do that. Like I just couldn't see it. I was blind. Mm-hmm. But it's that holistic kind of thing. You know, you, you get in your bubble, you see things the way you are. And it sometimes takes that where you're like, 
but I still have that vision. I still have that passion. I still see that, you know, mm. lifestyle. You know, I keep hearing that right. same thing. It's that I still see that for me. How can I get this done? And that's why I just love the, the feminine vibe is that way. That's our innate, you know, if we just pull that in a little bit more instead of trying to pretty up the more masculine kind of linear cause and effect, we might get there faster. Well, yeah. so, you know, I'm hoping. And, let, and let's talk. And let's, and let's talk that. about. And let's talk about pretty for a second too. Um, you know, I am, like, I am someone who is very successful. I'm someone who can could, can do what she wants. But at, at that time, Lisa, and you know, a lot of times when we hear about these people doing these these amazing things, mm-hmm. we always say, well, if I had a blank check, I could do that right. too. I don't. I don't in any way want to cast a dispersion that this was about a blank check. Because it was mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. At that point, I had been drummed out of my job in a power play. My husband's company had completely gone under. We had done, we did this on a shoestring. Mm-hmm. We did this with the last bit of every kind of resource that you could possibly think of that we had, whether it was emotional, whether it was physical, whether it was financial. We did this. Mm-hmm. And we battled, we battled back from that. And, and luckily, it, you know, we were doing well now. It's taken us some time. Um, but literally, that was, I, I have to say, when I say it was a risk, it was the biggest risk I had ever taken. Right. But then but the we, power. I, from I that. knew we had to get out of there. Yeah, yeah, the survival comes in, you know, like there's, there's, thr- mm-hmm. there's survival, it always kicks in. And, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. There has, and then and then through that maybe we can even I mean I guess that's why I work trying to bring in some sort of spiritual nature of like something has your back because when it gets down to that rawness and it becomes about survival and you just do that there's a grit there that I think that it's nice if you don't feel like you're alone or at least you see that vision or feel like you're being somewhat um, taken care of because it is really really hard and. Um, and so I'm, I'm so grateful that you, you know, took the time to talk to us and, and let us in a little bit in, in, in how you've owned your health. Is there any way, is there anything you're doing or putting out there right now you'd like to share with my audience? Any way we could support you more? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that, you know, for me right now, I, I am doing a lot of what I call, you know, leadership training or training and presence for people. I, I love to bring out what is powerful in people that they don't think is powerful. And, you know, one of the things that I always appreciate about you and what you do, you give people lessons that they can go away with and, and use even when you're not around, right? Um, you're not someone that needs to be in session with someone every day for the next five years to continue to help them right? Um, you find a true kernel in them and you allow them to grow from that kernel. And I do the same thing, but I like to empower people in their business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so certainly I can pass some information along to you about that. But honestly, if, if, if I can help somebody, that's always great. But if anybody out there can do anything for me, it's just to, just to understand that that everything is a negotiation. No conversation has to end up where you begin it, whether it be, you know, with a spouse, whether it be with a loved one, whether it be with a, with a doctor. You can take any relationship in a different direction, but mm-hmm. you have to be the one to begin it. You mm-hmm. have to be the one to start it, right? So, you know, if you are talking to something, just remember that nothing is a final draft. Nothing mm-hmm. in our lives is a final draft. 
Love it. So if, if somebody can just do one thing today where, you know, they, they take that as a note and then they go out and they do that, then that would make me the happiest person in the world. Awesome, Colina. That's great words. Nothing is that right. The final draft. Love it. Well, thank you thank so you much for being here. And if you have anything to share, I'll post that in the in the show notes. And um, happy to share that with anyone. And everyone, take that to heart. Take some of this to heart, and let's start owning her health. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening into this episode of Owning Her Health with Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. To learn more about her personal and professional development service, visit her online at drlisahollandpt.com.